I I have to confess this morning uh, I have an issue. Uh, it's called on Instagram. It it it's no longer there. They they I looked last night and they deleted it. But they had an account. It was called Kids Getting Hurt, and it was just a bunch of videos of kids getting hurt. Now I don't laugh. I don't laugh at a lot of things, but that thing is funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I realize, you know, when it's my kids or whatever, I'm like uh, the, the parent or whatever. But uh, well, let me show you just a little clip of what I, I think is funny. Oh, are we having technical difficulties? Yeah, this this was a, a guilty pleasure. I, I hope it comes back. There's still some other. There's a lot of videos out there. There's YouTube's and stuff. Of, yeah. <laughs> really, Jim? You're supposed to be. <laughs> He's the one that edited this together. So <laughs> I said, just pick out some videos, put them together, and so this is Jim's work, not mine. <laughs> We're both passing the blame. Go, honey, go. Oh, excuse me. Go, honey, go. Oh, excuse me. The board's getting heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Slow mo's are the best. <laughs> Theo. watch my son there because that was literally him when we were at camp back at Windermere years ago he was on that that big old thing and got thrown up in the air like that and got hurt you know and we all kind of freaked out but he was way up there it was it's kind of crazy so uh there's that there's that but then uh I want to come back here and talk to Michelle Hernandez for a second Michelle you're like the CrossFit queen around here uh, so I have a question to ask you, uh, are the workouts different for the men and the women? They're okay. In a workout, when you, okay, I just think of, in, when you go in the morning, the workouts posted on the board and they're exactly the same except the weight. So for example, if I am doing, I'll do something really easy. If I'm doing a 65 pound front squat 45 times in a workout, to 65 pounds, the men are doing it 45 times also, but at 95 pounds to make it equal. And we usually finish about the same time. Wait, did you um, say 45 squats? Look, just an example. Yeah, 45 front squats. Yeah. Um, 
And that, that's just in the workout. But yeah, usually the men's and women's weights are about 40 to 45% different. Men's are 45% higher. Otherwise, oh. there's no... And the calorie... Okay, she says, yeah. And the calories on a rower, for example, because men can pull a lot harder. Um, the men's calories would be like 15 calories they have to get, and women's would be like, what, 11? 11 or so. And we would finish at the same time. Now, I'm going to ask you another question. Yeah, uh... And you have to answer this honestly, all right? Uh, but can you outlift me? Well, maybe right now, but give Rusty a couple months, absolutely not. He would go up way higher than I would. That kind of hurt. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what his one rep maxes are right now. Well, but <laughs> g- give, me, give me this. Do you think that I can outlift most of the women in this room? Yes. By just going into the gym, yes. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're kind of the exception to the rule. Well, maybe. <laughs> I've been lifting a long time. Okay, how about that? <laughs> how long have you been lifting? I mean, CrossFit lifting about 15 years. That doesn't include high school stuff like that, but serious li- lifting about 15 years. Like, what do you bench press? 150, which is not that, that big for a, a woman. That's kind of low. All right. All right. Um, Michelle, last night, your brother was over and you made some comment about our jobs that we have in the house. Uh, you said what? Do you remember what you said? That that was your job? To take out the mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> to take out the mousetrap. But then you determine that there's two types of jobs. Yes, my job and your job. And your job is anything I don't want to do. <laughs> you see how this morning is going already, right? Uh, I say all that because you have to understand, you know, like in the videos that we watched, the, the guys kind of all laughed and the moms all went, "Ah!" it's kind of what happened in the room. And Michelle's explaining that, uh, men are built differently. They can do things differently and. Michelle's like saying there's his jobs and there's her jobs. And you have to, when we get to today's passage, you have to understand that men and women were created differently. We're in a society right now that is trying to like totally flip that script. I am not saying one is better than the other. I'm saying we're different. We're created differently. Now, there's going to be exceptions to the rule. There's going to be exceptions. You know, there, there's things that kind of cross. I, I get all that. I get it. But when you talk about the average person, men and women are created differently. And so you have to understand that as we get into this passage of Scripture today that we're going to discuss. 
And I'll say this. Uh, our, our society doesn't want to acknowledge that we're different. They want everybody to be the same and to do the same things and to be equals. And I, I get that. But then there becomes this competition, this competition if they want everything to be equal. Uh, and it causes one side not to say much at all. You'll track with me in just a second. Men will have a tendency to either shut down and step out of the way if it becomes a competition. Generally speaking. We can go to, uh, if you want to go to statistics, uh, typically, uh, I, I grew up in a, church and even worked at a church for years where uh, you had committees and meetings and stuff like that. There were committees where there were just men. There were committees where there was just women. There were committees where they were co-ed. But, but generally, typically, when a the women would like take over, the men would kind of like just fade out. Now, I, that's not my opinion. I'm just saying that this is generally w- what happened doing youth ministry for years, I learned that if I had strong biblical men, which we have in this group right here, strong biblical men, that all of a sudden we would have ladies that were strong biblically. And if those leader, that leadership clicked, then all of a sudden... You know, I had strong high school guys. And if I had strong high school guys, then it would attract strong high school girls. If it was reversed, which many times throughout the years it did, it all depend on what we had in our youth ministry, that the, the ladies were strong, that the women were strong, the guys disappeared. I... I'm not saying anything. I'm just telling you what I experienced and what I heard. What I watched happen. And so when I get into this passage of Scripture, there's a little bit of experience here, but there's obviously a lot of truth. Let me back up to where we were last week, Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, because I get a running start. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Submitting to one another. And I said at the end of the message last week that we were going to get into this word submission, which today is just like an evil word. Nobody wants to deal with it. Nobody wants to submit. No one wants to include submission in their wedding anymore. It's like, are you kidding me? What does the word submit actually mean? And then we get into verse 22. And I think the last time that I taught Ephesians was 10 years ago. And I think the things that I said back then, I don't know if I can say today. 
because our society has changed. But the word hasn't changed. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Just as you would submit to the Lord, you're to submit to your husbands. But back up to verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, there's submission that goes both ways, and it's always aligned with Jesus. It's always aligned with Jesus. As he goes through this passage, stick with me, don't bell on me. But he's talking about how to have order, to have order one between the husband and wife. And then next week we get into parents and children, and then we get into employers and employees. And it all talks about submitting one to the other. Submission has nothing to do with authority but rather it governs the operation of authority, how it's given and how it's received. Did Jesus lose his authority when he stepped up into the upper room and he washed the feet of his disciples? Like literally he was submitting to this group of young men that he had traveled with for three or so years and discipling them and it's coming to the end of his time and he's still in authority but he knelt before them and he washed their feet he submitted to them but he never ever lost his authority i truly believe no institution or organization can function without submission it can't there has to be some kind of order to it you, you can go back and look when chaos has re- reigned in the United States. Uh, you go back to, some of you can go back to the L.A. riots. Some of you can go to Katrina in 05, and you can see how when there was no order, it was just chaos in our country. You can go to St. Louis. You can, go to, you can see when there's no authority, just chaos takes control. Now, I have to go back to the very first chapter, first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. Watch where this came from. Sin came into the world. Adam and Eve made a selfish choice, wanted to be like God, and sin entered in the world. And God's punishment was this, verse 16 of chapter 3 of Genesis. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. This was the very first married one flesh couple. And God said, the desire, the desire, it's not Eve's emotional or physical desire for Adam because that was already present before all this. It was the desire to take control of her husband's authority. That all of a sudden, now this has entered in. This this went all the way back to Genesis. That the woman was going to want to take the authority away from the man. And it literally says, yet he will rule over you. Why will he rule over you? Because that's the way God designed it. Not not to rule, 
but to lead, to guide, to direct. Now, you can take all this and you can put it in today's agendas or whatever, and you can throw mud at me, whatever you want to do, but all I'm doing is sitting here reading the Scripture the way that God has designed it. It will only be through the power of teaching that the Holy Spirit will allow you to receive the word submission. I believe that. So therefore, the world is not going to understand submission like I'm explaining to you today. Only those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior know that you have died with Christ, you've been raised with Christ, now there's a Spirit of God living inside of you that allows you to see things as God sees things, to have wisdom that is God's wisdom, and be able to see what submission is, will be able to see this. If you don't, you're going to see it from a worldly perspective. And I get that. But true authority is built on truth. I'll just say it. Therefore, if, if any wife has currently placed themselves as the leader of the house, she doesn't have true authority. There, I said it. Because that's what the Bible says. True authority is attained only through submission to authority. If it's opposite of this, then chaos enters the house. Verse 23, it says, Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. This verse here also teaches submission. Christ submitted himself to death for our sake of the church. Again, Jesus was an example of submission for you. He submitted. Why is the word so bad? Why is the word so bad if Jesus was our perfect model of that? Was the example Now, I'll also say this. No wife minds submitting to a husband that has an attitude of love. And also, in turn, has the willing and ability to submit to them. If you think, if you think for a minute that I run my house without Michelle's permission... We work together as one flesh. Yet, she sees me as the spiritual leader. I'm assuming my kids see me as the spiritual leader of our house. Because that's the way that God designed it. He doesn't demand, Christ doesn't demand for us to submit to him. It's a choice that we make. And it's also a choice that my family has made. It's a choice. Verse 24, it says, 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Wow, because you take that first verse, you know, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay, you get to pick where we go to eat. I submit. I submit just like it said, but now now it's like saying submit to their husbands in everything. Well, that can't mean everything because the husband submits too. Sometimes there's this, but there's this attitude of submission that they are the leader. The only way this works in the house is if the wife feels secure and safe in her place of submission. That's the only way it works, that you feel safe. In other words, the man has to love and protect his wife. When that occurs, when that occurs, the whole selflessness rules in the house. Otherwise, you realize that the whole Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3.16, basically comes from them wanting to be selfish. The selfishness that reigns in the house. When all of a sudden you become selfless in the house, it changes. All right, so wives, you are taking that. But then he turns it, he turns it to the husbands, and he says this in verse 25. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The most important thing that I can do for my son and my daughter is to love Michelle. That's the most important thing I can do. I can teach him, I can show him, I can do everything... But the most important thing that I'm going to do my whole life for my son is love Michelle. As Christ loved the church. This is not going to be, it's not going to occur because I'm doing behavior modification. I'm not trying to control the outcome. It's the natural thing that I've learned as the spirit lives inside of me and he guides me and he directs me. And the only way that's possible is if we're doing what we do here every week, and that's that we teach your identity in Jesus Christ. If you know who you are, you are comfortable loving your wife, and you are comfortable submitting to your husband. But it comes down to knowing who you are. It's not about competition. When the husband becomes selfless and loves his wife through serving her, everybody in the house greatly benefits. It says, verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. When a person is sanctified, when they're made holy, he's set apart from his past and into his future. That application right there applies to marriage. When a man marries a woman, he sets her apart from the past into a future that he's promised to her. There's no doubt, there's no doubt that spiritual growth of the wife is greatly enhanced through the godly influence of the husband. To make her wholly cleansing. 
with the washing of water by the word. And it says, he did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. 35 days, my daughter's getting married. And she hasn't got her dress yet. But it's going to be a white dress. Because it it represents not her behavior, not her lifestyle, but it represents the purity of who she is in Jesus Christ. That's it. Spotless. The church himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. That's going to be my daughter and her fiancé, Sam, standing there at the altar, holy, blameless, and righteous, becoming one flesh. It's not a performance-based relationship. It's knowing and understanding relationship. What a husband knows and greatly understands impacts what his wife and kids knows. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You go back to verse 23. It says the husband is the head and the wife is the body. And then we get to verse 31. It says, we're one flesh. We're one flesh. I, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you, you, you literally do that at a wedding ceremony that all of a sudden you say you're one flesh and that they become one flesh. It's not because we're doing something special in a marriage ceremony or anything like that, but it's this. I choose Christ as my Savior. I choose Christ as my Savior. We are in Christ and we are one flesh in Christ. It is a supernatural thing that happens. And you, husbands, will love your wife fully when you know yourself, who you are. Tony Evans says this, Unless we're talking about a case where a wife is deliberately trying to undermine her husband, when you look at a man's wife, you should get a pretty good idea of what he thinks about himself. If a wife is miserable all the time, maybe it's because she's married to a miserable man. If her countenance is bright, chances are she's being nourished and cherished by a loving husband. Our wives are like mirrors reflecting back to us what kinds of husbands we are. Hmm. The husband, the man, has to understand who they are in Christ. When that happens, they see everybody differently. They treat everybody differently. Verse 29, it says, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. Society spends more money and time on caring for their own flesh than ever before. There's no doubt that loving our bodies, this earth tent, this earth suit that we have, by taking care of them, adding energy and vigor and fulfillment in life. Well, the same thing occurs when we take care of our wives. If we just give them 
words of affirmation that I, I even struggle with. I struggle with affirming my own wife. It's not me that's going to do it. It's going to be the Spirit that does it. To have quality time. Don't talk about doing it. Just do it. To have quality time. Maybe it's giving gifts just because I love you. Just because you're mine. Maybe it's acts of service. Just doing the unexpected. Maybe it's a physical touch. And I'm not talking about a sexual touch. I'm just talking about a touch that you care about them. I don't know what it is, but somehow you have to show your wife that she's loved. As Christ loves the church. Verse 30, since we are members of his body, we share common life with Jesus, we are with him. Question remains, do you know who you are and what you have been given? That's, that's it. Do you know what you've been given? Verse 31, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He's literally quoting out of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Literally, my child is leaving in 35 days. She'll still be my child, but look, she's bonding with sand. They're going to become one flesh, and I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I paid the last bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some fathers are going, yeah, you think that's right. <laughs> Literally, both partners are to leave their homes, their parents. You, you still care for them but you're no longer their main influence. It's their spouse. And we said it the other day. We said, you know, like the uh, top three reasons for divorce was communication, money, and sex. And then number four was the bride's mother. And then number five was the groom's mother. We got to get out of their business. Got to get out of their business. When they become one flesh, the bond is greater than a parent-child relationship. And I realize that. We have to keep that a priority. And when it says cleave, it's like glue to stick together. One flesh, they're together. It's you. Yeah, I'm going to come alongside them, encourage them, and whatever it takes to remind them that they are one flesh in Christ. And here, here's the great thing. He says, this mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. When... Paul says this mystery is profound. He's, he's literally talking about how the Jews and the Gentiles can all have salvation. Like the Jews thought they were the only ones that were going to get salvation. Now the Gentiles can, and they're all one. The, the church is one. The Jews and the Gentiles are, are like one. How, how is that? It's still a mystery. So it is with the husband and wife. How do you become one flesh? We came from two different families, and now we're like combining together because you become one in Christ. That's it. That's the common bond. It's the glue. It's what cleaves you together. It's hard for a husband and wife to become one in a marriage without Christ. In fact, it's impossible. It's impossible. In verse 33, to sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. 
This is a, a two-way street. I, again, will say God created us different, men and women in general. There are exceptions to the rule. I get it. If the husband loves his wife as himself, both, both of them being believers, the wife's respect should automatically follow. I usually say in a wedding ceremony, and I'm sure I will in a few days, that the one thing Sam will never understand about Chloe is how to truly love her. Because there's something about women in general that this love is is different than it is for men. Not that men don't understand love and don't want to be loved. Yeah, they want that. But then I'll say to Chloe as well, I'm like, Chloe, there's something that you will never understand about Sam, and that is the amount of respect that he needs. That That a man wants to be respected. We're different. I get Chloe will want to be respected. She will be respected. But this love and this respect, he literally says it to sum up each one of you is to love his wife as himself and the wife is to respect the husband. Women want to be loved, so do men. And men want to be respected, but so do women. But there's something about that. We There's a, a great book, uh, it's called Love and Respect. Uh, imagine that. But they talk about that. One of the things that they talk about is when a man doesn't love a woman appropriately, then she will disrespect him. And when he is disrespected, then he will continue to do unloving things towards her, and she will continue to do things that are disrespectful. And they get into this crazy cycle, and they can't get out of it. But the fact that you can understand what Scripture is saying here is to sum up each one of you is to love his wife as himself. No matter if you get disrespected, you are in turn to love. It's the only way out of the crazy cycle. If If you are not loved appropriately, the best way for you to do that, to get out of that system, is to respect unconditionally. It's the only way out of the crazy cycle. He says it right here. And to say all this right here, there's, there's order, there's order to a family, there's order to a marriage, there's order to relationships, and it's not based upon what society says, but what God has designed and created. He is the one that created man and woman. He is the one that created marriage, not the state, not the government. It's not by the powers invested by the state of Indiana that allows me to do it. It's by the powers of God that he created marriage. He's the one that created it. He designed it appropriately. And he even tells us how to do it. He says, do it this way, and you got a pretty good chance. You do it your own way, the odds are against you. And then next week you come back, and he's going to say the same thing to the children. There's got to be order in the house. There's got to be order in the house. Children, you're going to have to submit to your parents. 
And he also talks about the employee. Employee, you're going to have to submit. You're going to have to submit. Hey, look, even the president of the United States has to submit at some point. Everybody submits. There's nothing wrong with the word submit. It's the way that we have order, not chaos. My God is a God of order, not chaos. He wants the best for us. Father, uh, man, what a tough subject in today's society to talk about just submitting and loving one another. Why is it so tough? doesn't even make sense. Because you've given us the mind of Christ and we have the ability to think like you think. And so I pray today that your word was received as it was intended. That no one in this room is better than anyone else. That we are all together as a church body. But you've given us authority and order so that we may function and live as one. So today, I trust that you'll continue to impact and unpack your word. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.